All right, all right. We are back once again for another episode. This time, like every other time, we have have a special guest who this is her first time on. So in traditional fashion, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WRGO Pod. Subscribe on YouTube. This video will be on YouTube. You can also uh, listen, like, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And at this very moment, I will let our special guest introduce herself. Hi, my name is Carolyn Williams. I am um, a classmate, I guess, of these two gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> went to Howard with them, School of C in the building, HU17 in the house. Um, and yeah, I currently live in Birmingham, Alabama. That's all I got. You got any special projects you want to sp- plug your social media or anything? Um, follow me on Instagram, carry me to reality. That's C A R R I E M E, the number two reality. And I just made my um, Twitter public yesterday, so I'm like really feeling myself right now. Okay. So P R T Y intelligent. That's pretty intelligent with one T, no E. Bet, bet. Uh, all right. So we got you on for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, we didn't even have a specific topic because we knew you are learned enough to be involved in so many different issues and stuff. I got you. We're just gonna go with the first thing. So I don't know, Carolyn, if you saw this, but did you see uh, the Surgeon General basically use every stereotype? in the book when describing the health of black and brown people. You're talking about taking care of Big Mama and Pop Pop? Yeah, yeah, Pop Pop and Abuela. Um, I mean, you know, the crazy thing is, I think that this was so on brand for the Trump administration. Like That part. (laughs) Nothing about this was off brand. Like when I heard it, it's not funny. But I definitely laughed because I was like, what more do we expect from this administration? Like, this is who they are. They've shown us who they are. And just because you have a black man up there does not mean that he is going to represent, you know, your culture well. You've seen that with Ben Carson. Um, And let me just say about Ben Carson, I used to love this man, y'all. Like, Gifted Hands was my favorite book until... He really started like, opening his mouth. Yo, that's, until he opened his mouth. And I was like, I that's don't want to do this anymore. Because uh, we, we actually did an episode about um, black prophets or false prophets like a minute ago. But that'd be the problem. Uh, and we, then we can get back on top. But like, we'll fall in love with these ideals of what they're we fall, in, we fall in love with the idea of people like not with people themselves but with the idea of people exactly. and that's not just but it's not just about mentors and idols and stuff we do the same thing in relationships like we have these ideas of who people are and who people are supposed to be and what they have the potential to be and then you meet them or you talk to them or you hear them talk and you like damn and then they crazy. start doing some stuff <laughs> Exactly. Right, and then you're like, whoa, 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 like pineapple, <laughs> what is this? No, yeah, because I didn't yeah. know anything about the Surgeon General, but when I got up there, I was like, oh, he's a black person, like, that's great. Right, like, woo, this is yeah. good. And then he's out no. here, and then he also did the thing where he was basically saying, like, he needs 
blacks and Latinos to like stop doing drugs, stop drinking, as if that is like the cause of us dying of coronavirus right. at a disproportional rate when it's like, hey, if you treat us bad and don't give us access to health for 200 years, no wonder why we gonna have all these all these um pre-existing conditions and right. that's really what it is um because like i have a cousin that is currently in the hospital in new york <laughs> of all places um with the situation and like my aunt is like concerned because he has had like previous health conditions um right mm -hmm. now he's like cool but like with that being said like you can't like 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 we spoke about this another podcast like stuff that happened to black people is not it's not necessarily a fault when it pertains to like health issues because like let's say a person that um grew up in the projects and like it was mold in the house this person right. like you know it's acceptable to asthma or some type of breathing condition mm -hmm. and that plays a part with this uh, virus specifically because it affects your respiratory system right and i think that something that is really frightening to me is like I have asthma. I've had asthma since I was a child and I get walking pneumonia like once a year. Right. So I mean I am extremely healthy. Before this happened, like I worked out five days a week. Like I eat pretty clean. Um I don't like profusely abuse anything. So you would think like, oh okay, you're gonna be good. Um, and then I started looking at the stats and looking at how people, how many people were being diagnosed and how many people were dying from it. And they're using pre-existing conditions to decide who gets yeah. certain treatments, Treatment. you know, yeah. like this is, they're literally, and I mean, the governor said that, like, you know, they're, they're deciding who lives and who dies by pre-existing conditions. But think about how many of us have pre-existing conditions. Right yeah um so it's a bigger picture here and i'm gonna stay on topic because i could go on about that all day you know like <laughs> nah, i could I mean, hit you with stats i could nah, talk I mean, to you about like situations but i just think that this is a much larger conversation and it's making us really evaluate not only our healthcare system but our healthcare professionals and that part, that part, and yeah. so much more about it. Like I have a friend who she beat coronavirus and I'm like so so thankful. Like I'm praying for her every day because for me it is like God has some other purpose. Well he has a purpose for your life that you haven't met yet and I'm so excited to see what that looks like for her. But for the many other Americans in black and brown communities in Alabama, especially in the black belt that will not yeah. be their reality simply because they're not getting access to the help that they need in a reasonable amount of time. They are not being treated fairly when they tell people that they're having symptoms and they're not receiving care in a fashion that they should. Yeah. No, it, I mean, I think it's so yeah. much. So, you know, back yeah. to the surgeon general, I think that he did exactly what he was put there to do. Um, I'm not at all surprised by what he said or about his reaction afterwards when they asked him about the stereotypical statement. Yeah, he he, he kind of just shrugged it off. Like, eh. yeah, homeboy was like, you know, like, that's what I call my grandma. And then he was like, I have a cousin that's something. I was like, this sounds like I have a black friend remark, like, just leave it out. <laughs> um and so i just really don't i don't really fool with them but in that same vein i'm really excited for kizzy 
I think that this black woman is about to do some major stuff um, for coronavirus. She's gotten up to trial. They're in trial too, I think now. We're going to get there. Um, You're jumping ahead. We gonna... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, you know, I just don't want one bad apple to score the bunch. That's no, all, all right. Saying. But then, back, then, then, then talk about it then. Talk about it now. Talk about who she is then. If you, you already, we're already here, so we might as well. Brought it up. Yeah, you brought I'm it up. Sorry. So we'll, finish, we'll, we'll finish off on a good note. So could I explain like who she is and like what she's doing because that is something that needs to be highlighted because I didn't know about her until I did some research. Okay, so um, Corbett is that her last mm-hmm. name? Yeah. Kizzy Corbett, Kiz, Kizmika. Yeah, you got it. You know your stuff. Oh, I do not want to butcher this woman's no, name. No, you got it right. I'm reading it right now. Yeah, it's cool. Okay, every episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, Dr. Corbett, Dr. Corbett, you know, let me put some respect on Yeah, come on now, let's do it right. Um, she is a graduate, I want to say, of University of Maryland, Mm -hmm. um, Baltimore. She, um, she's interned with them before, she's been a fellow with them, and what I loved was when they were telling her story, the doctor was saying how when he first met her, he was like, what do you want? And she was like, I want your job. Your job. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yes, sis! I think that there are so many of us who are talented enough to be in those positions, but one, don't get the opportunity to do so, or two, don't even know the route to go there. And yeah. so I'm extremely proud of this sister, one, because she's doing the work, but two, she's leading a team of doctors right, yeah, like right. she's, she's not a research fellow who's trying to cure the corona who's developing coronavirus yeah. right like she has gotten into trials of vaccines mm-hmm. at the fastest rate like they're they expected it to take like 22 months this woman got in her first round of trials in two months right which is crazy which is a crazy pace she got i mean she was at the first conference no one even Pay this woman any attention. No questions were directed towards her. The one that's doing the work, no questions were directed towards her. No one acknowledged the greatness that she was. And she said back and she stayed calm. And she was like, you know, when y'all ready for the vaccine, y'all go talk to Yeah, me. yeah, right. I'll add me. Or like a lot. Um, that speaks toward a lot about like her character alone and then like the, the character of black individuals who come through the ranks and have to like be that first or have to right. improve the road to success because we have to work 10 times harder for us to even get that attention. I'm telling you, man. Right. And right, so- what I'm happiest about is that she's not the last. Like, she's oh, no. paving oh, the no, way yeah. for people. Right. And that's the most important part is not only to be the first, but to make sure that you're not the last. So I'm looking forward to seeing the great work that she does. Um, I'm looking forward to some people being this woman in a few years for Black History Month. Like, I want these little black kindergartners not being Rosa Parks and Dr. King. I want them hey, running Dr. around Corbett. some. I'm Dr. Corbett. So, <laughs> so um, that's what I'm super excited about, and I'm super proud of her. And it is a lot of pressure. Um, so I just want to make sure that we're not putting too much pressure on this woman, but that we're respecting her time being patient and just encouraging, you know, her and others who are in that same fight to keep working. That's a bet. So now we know that you are deep in the education space. So we had to make sure that we included some educational stuff for you. So uh, Henry actually hit me to this and I did a little research. So Biden had proposed 
uh, for giving a lot of uh, student loans. Specifically, he mm -hmm. new attendees. Uh, he was kind of iffy on the plan at first, but he's gradually pushed toward it. So the plan details student loan forgiveness for low-income and middle-class people who attend public institutions. Private loans are not included, but Biden's plan makes an exception for HBCUs and minority-serving institutions that are both mm -hmm. public and private. So it's aimed at those making less than 125000 and those making mm -hmm. less than 25000 uh, would not be asked to make monthly payments on public loans. Since you are right. the education person of this group, how say you, how say you specifically to the HBCU piece? Because that is something that's needed where right. we don't where we talk about. To me, I, I don't mean to cut you off, I just. Yeah. Um, to me, when I did like push it in the group me, I was like, for him to specifically have a plan for us, that's what I mean for like, like Bernie or whomever else who is running for these offices and want to appeal to us, you have to be specific. And I ain't saying Biden is, you know what I'm saying, but yeah, I just want to throw that out there. Definitely. So minority serving institutions, let us like break down what that is, first of all. Mm -hmm. So minority serving institutions are institutions that were created to support any minority group. So you have Asian Pacific Islander institutions, you have HBCUs, which are like greatly known. Um, you have a few different categories within MSIs, which is minority serving institutions. Um, I think that this is a great first step towards getting the enrollment up at these schools. Um, yeah. A lot of people are going to go simply because they're now in a position to be in control of the financial decisions that they make at 18. Don't get me started on that. Um, <laughs> but I think that the plan is really, it's really exciting. Um, let's see if they can retroactively make sure that it applies to, you know, me as well. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think the the most important thing that I want to see is the follow through of it. Not necessarily the plan itself, because we, I mean, think about the plan that the Obama administration had for you working a, a certain number of years as a public servant um, yeah, and right. then yeah. having your debt removed. And then when people got to that deadline time in the Trump administration, you have, <laughs> they yeah. decided not to honor it. So right. you have people who've been making payments all this time with the idea. I mean, think about your financial planners. They're like, you're playing well, 30 I'm years pay, ahead. Yeah. Right. They're, they're like, I'm going to pay $182 a month for 10 years. I'm not going to miss a single payment. And regardless of what the debt is at that point, is wiped because I'm a public servant. And then for them to get to that 10 year mark and for it not to be acknowledged is devastating. Right. Um, so I just, I want to see the plan, but I want them to make sure that they, and I mean, I don't know if it's possible or not, but put something in place to make sure that the money is already allocated and that it's, it's not in. up to the next administration on whether or not they honor it, because that's the, the follow through is the follow through is ultimately the most important part. Right. So then you said at the beginning of your answer that you thought that this was like a good first step. Now for you, right. if you were like the one crafting this, what would Woo! be your kind of ideal thing that you would try to push? Because obviously we know, Carolyn, you ain't gonna just go for the first step. You're gonna trip walk on that and then go fifty paces forward. So like what would be your example of like if you had your way, what would you want to do? 
this is too good of a question for me to pass up. So, um, <laughs> when I worked on the heel, when I worked on the heel, not intern on the heel. So, like after graduation, I worked on a minority servant institution bill actually for um for zone bonds, which basically was to forgive debt and to put minority servant institutions in a better situation. So I think that forgiving the debt for those students is awesome, but I also think that those institutions need a certain level of support as well. So what that means is putting something in place that protects those universities against those capital improvement plans that make mm -hmm. it um that may get disturbed or in case a national i mean a disaster happens so i mean right now we're in COVID 19. Right. it's not a natural disaster like hurricane katrina but institutions will see a change in enrollment as a reflection of this especially if your endowment is lower like if you at alabama state alcorn state those those they can't if they're just cut off they don't have the right endowment they don't have the alumni base to be able to just be like we can do right. this for a couple months and be pushed. and i mean because you have to think about it university of alabama is known for the football team right mm -hmm. university of alabama makes about 17 million dollars a home game yeah. 17 million dollars a home game their expenses are about a million dollars so they are banking about 16 million dollars a home game that is completely different from a school like Tuskegee that is a private institution right. or Tougaloo that, or, right. or Tougaloo yeah. <laughs> or Bethune-Cookman uh, or Berea. Shoot, you know? Howard. What you talking Howard. about? Howard. <laughs> right. so, I mean, when you think about the stark differences between those institutions, they need more than student debt to be forgiven. They need um they need tax incentives they need support yeah. from the government to make sure that they are able to stay afloat i mean the number of hbcus is dwindling and we have to make sure that we support those minority serving institutions that still exist and that are still to their core working to support the students that attend their institutions so like i said tax incentives want to make sure that they are um that they are supported through natural disasters so if they are impacted at all that those loans from banks and things like that are forgiven or that the interest is cut so they can afford to make payments i know universities right now literally like i know presidents and provosts who are taking out loans to make payroll who are increasing right. student tuition so that they can pay for the institution and I think that what that what a good plan looks like is making sure that we support those institutions and that we build community around those institutions to make sure that they are supported to support those students that want to attend. That was a mouthful. That was a bar. That was a bar. I'll stop there. <laughs> Henry, do you got anything to add or do you want to move on to the to the big fact? Uh, agree with you on a point to where like we have to support the community around those universities like that don't necessarily have that alumni foundation or like you said the University of uh, Alabama have that revenue coming in to actually fund the school um I think that also speaks to a point of like <clears throat> uh, like Noah you probably know more about this than I but like black athletes or black individuals wanting to go to these schools because like yeah. mm -hmm. what was that 
sometimes one of like the top uh yeah, yeah I know in the Howard. Will he go to Howard? No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that goes into like the facilities and the maintenance and like him being able to like maneuver and actually be able to actually get what he wants and that's to be in the NBA, right? We we would think or assume that. Um, so that plays a part in it. And then like <clears throat> I guess to not specifically speak to her like HBCUs, but like I guess the benefit for us is like it specifically helps us because rather 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 if you have like private loans where if you go to like a bank or Sally Mae, they're definitely going to increase your interest because you're a minority. Um, mm-hmm. so with them, for giving that and like work through that process, I definitely think that's a benefit because that's where a lot of us as African Americans like fall into that little category of like trying to go to college and can't go to college because it's a lot of us who can't actually obtain like the credit or the financial stability needed to obtain a private loan in which you know what I'm saying this is when you get the opportunity to go to college um, and actually gain some type of opportunity or network to expand your resources to contribute back to your community. Um, so I definitely think, like, him specifically, like, having that piece for, like, HBCUs is cool. However, a lot of Black people go to public colleges. Mm-hmm. So how does that affect them? Well, I – can I comment on that? Of course. So two things. One, um, you brought up a very important point about loans and financial literacy. And I think that part of the solution also looks like people knowing what they're getting themselves into when they are signing up for these loans. I think a large... (laughs) Right! And I mean, the thing is, I have to wait until I'm 21 to drink. I have to, like, do all of this stuff at a certain age. But you trust me to make financial decisions about the rest of my life at 18 years old. Right. And 17 years old. Six figure impacts. Like, I thankfully owe from, I mean, Howard, I probably owe like 30,000 in total. And then, God, it was 40. God, thank you. Because I I know somebody that came out in 100,000. And I said, Father, oh, I know somebody that was in 100,000 before senior year. Yeah. Before senior year. That's so crazy. I'm just like, how did you get here? How did you get to one hundred thousand? You know how they got to one hundred thousand. Howard tuition and Howard, all the expenses are not even. No, 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 not even that. They got to one hundred thousand because no one really walked through what those loans looked like to them. No one planned out back into that because it'll be compacted that debt of like graduating college. It'll be living expenses because you had nobody before you that actually, you know, what I'm saying knew. So like you, you accepted credit card offers and you you know what I'm saying you running that balance up because you're trying to be fresh especially in an institution like fucking Howard like when it's hyper competitive so I can only imagine like at other institutions but it you got a living um trying to finance yourself and then you got the loans nobody told you about like how to walk through that process so you are accepting those higher interest rates you're not negotiating or whatever you can do to like lower you're doing a parent plus loan for no reason yeah for no reason and then on top of that 
like you could be in a situation to where your credit could already be manipulated right yeah or you could have to take care of home like you could still be sending money home to support your family and that's why i say the credit manipulated with because um some it's people out here with cable bills at the age of eight come on that's what i was about to say that's exactly what i was about to say (laughs) that's literally what i was about to say Got the house in your name, a car note. Man, you a whole adult. That and 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 we don't and you as a um and like and I thank God. I swear to God, an angel walked into my life. But I thank God for um my what I you know what I'm saying. I thank God. But speaking to her like the general sense of like African Americans how we're affected like paying for college, it's hard because African Americans as a whole, like, financial literacy isn't anything that we excel in. Like, I don't say we we, we, not like we don't excel in it. We're not taught it. There's a difference in it. Right. I can't excel in something I'm not taught. Because if you think about it, like, the average black person isn't learning about bonds and stocks and saving this proportion of your check or how to accept certain rates on um, like credit cards or even loans since we're specifically talking about college, like the financial financial literacy aspect that it, it's a lot that goes into financial literacy because you can get the basis of saving, then you got investing, and then you got like getting money returns on taxes. And then shit, this damn stimulus check we just got back, I've been reading articles saying we're gonna have to pay that back um, throughout our 2020 taxes. So it's stuff like that to where like financial literacy is an in-depth process and what you have to be, I'll say, educated and know how to engage that, you know what I'm saying, that um, specific arena of like skill set. It's a generational lesson though. It's not yeah. something that you can yeah. that you can master in one generation. Like there are for instance, like if your parents own a business, you understand entrepreneurial instincts. You understand the things that they've done correct and things that they've done wrong. If you come from a family of generational wealth where like your mama got money, your your grandma got money, like your struggles are completely different. Right now, the issue with a lot of students who are going to college, honestly, is no one is there to really direct them through that process. And I'm not saying it's their mama's fault. I'm not saying it's their daddy's fault. I'm not saying oh, it's yeah. the school's fault. It is a collective effort that has to be in place in order to make sure that students are prepared. You have, I mean, a lot of your upper middle class and, you know, upper class families, they have college funds. They have life insurance policies they have money in place to make sure that those children have those opportunities right because not many no go ahead no i'm okay i mean not not every family is in that situation thankfully i come from a family that was able to support me but at the same time i have a friend who i recruited to come to howard with me who ended up getting in and getting a scholarship and the only reason why she was able to stay was because she was on a full ride. If she would not have gotten that money from Howard, she would not have been able to attend. And that girl still owes like $20,000 in scholarships because she, I mean, in financial in financial aid, like she, her student account, you know what I'm talking about, her loans 
yeah. are still like twenty thousand dollars because she still took out loans so that she could keep up with the Joneses at Howard. So yeah. you know, it's what I was saying though. It's like us as black people, we automatically fall into this competitive arena, right? As just us as black people, just regular black people. I want the Louis Gucci product because I, I know bro nigga, right? And then you put that on a uh, a professional level and you're working with people who could be making six figures or plus because they come from, the, from these wealthier or well-off communities. And then you have people like like myself, like I'm a middle-class person, like, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't no super spoon in my mouth, but I am a blessed person. Right. However, I know other people who are in that situation. I know other people who are more well-off than me. And then coming to Howard, I was the criminal motherfucking crop. And then I get into Howard and then it's every, you got niggas walking the around. The cream of every crop. Exactly. So that automatically put like, that automatically makes me think I have to like, I gotta, I gotta outshine these motherfuckers. I gotta do the best. I gotta another. Yeah. And then when you're doing that, especially on a, with the person who like, might have to take out an extra loan to like get, go to the parties and had a nice outfit or whatever the case may be. All or to get clothes for an internship, like to be yeah. able to afford clothes yeah. because at Howard, to be completely honest, like if you listen and you didn't go to Howard, just know that not having an internship at Howard was frowned upon. You you had an internship and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like an unpaid internship. You had a paid internship and you got dressed and you walked to that Shaw Metro and got on that Metro and went to Federal Triangle, Capitol Hill, somewhere right. but you even work. that but even that you worked on the hill so you know how classes that can be because, exactly. because you can't not everyone can just say i'm gonna live in dc for a summer and not get paid people gotta no, go back it's and not work. People, that, so, living in dc alone you gotta take out about two three loans to afford high and pay for the metro but just your in first general, drink at happy yeah. hour is eight dollars right <laughs> But just in general, like, we don't talk about how, like, things like you getting that professional experience is also classes. Like, if you don't have the ability to not have income, I think a lot of people don't understand, like, that a lot of people literally live check to check, which is why this coronavirus stuff is so bad. It's so real, Because yeah. if you miss one check, that means your mortgage is not getting paid. That means you ain't getting food. That means you can't put gas in your car to get to work. So I think, like, people don't think about just how even stuff within educational spheres can be very classes like if you don't have the if you don't have the ability to not go home and not work right education is really <laughs> political and i would love to talk to y'all about that on a different day but um i think that get back on topic because we're going down a rabbit hole here <laughs> um getting back on topic i think that deciding to um one deciding to give students the opportunity to have their debt erased is awesome I think, too, providing students with the option of, like, those that make under 25. First of all, if you graduate with a college degree and you make under 25000 we have other issues to discuss. That's, but, that's real. But that's real. That's real. That is real. That's, that's it's, real. It's sad. That's it's real. Sad. That's a real reality. It's sad. But if you make under 25000 then only 5% of your income right. is used towards that. And I think that's awesome. But... I think the bigger question is why are college graduates not making over $40,000? Like, why are you not living at a living wage? 
And, and so I think that it starts to... That don't even just play into like... That's capitalism in America. Why oh, of course. is it that... Everybody wages, can't win. Right. Wages are <laughs> yeah. staying... Yeah. But lit... Like work, like paying wages are steady. living living expenses are steady going up. And we're just speaking directly toward the situation in D.C. It's like people out here having to work two, three, four jobs to afford rent in Southeast. You know, what Southeast. I'm and yeah. that, you, we, that's a food desert. It's hard to trap, get around over there. Like it's terrible. And I mean, rent like twelve hundred dollars. For yeah. a studio, it's <laughs> you don't even have walls. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, well, as, as always, Zoom tell me we got two and a half minutes left. So wait, I want to talk about this Obama. Uh, no, we we ain't got, bro. We have two minutes. We can't do it. I'm sorry. That means we just about to have you back. We just about to have you back, Carolyn. We I, definitely gonna have to have you back because we done went all around the corner of the street. We we, we did a lot. We, we should have known not to ask you an educational question. That, you that, should have I because know. I didn't I even hit. I didn't even hit like the nail on the head or anything yet. I, I want to talk to y'all about it for real, for real. But we're you, doing you, you were just in the preface. You didn't even get to the intro chapter yet. I already know. At so, all, Carolyn. Once again, please drop your Twitter, Instagram, anywhere else that we can get in contact with you and follow your thoughts and all of your daily lives and such. Oh gosh, this is so great. Um, follow me on IG, carry me to reality, C-A-R-R-I-E-M-E, the number two reality. And follow me on Twitter at P-R-T-Y intelligent. So that's pretty with one T and no E. I won't be in the car next time. They told me to stay in the car just so that y'all know. Yes. <laughs> Well, that is amazing. So thank you for coming on. So like I said in the beginning of the episode, you can follow us on Twitter at, and Instagram at WRGOPod. You can be sure to listen on or watch on YouTube. So everyone who is watching this will be able to see Carolyn in her car on the side of the road. Uh, you can also listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google. So Henry, till next time. Carolyn, we'll have you back this time. We'll just have a free discussion, no agenda. So I'm right. just gonna say, uh, just throw it out there. Right. <laughs> We're gonna do everything. I'm a, I'm a whiteboard. I'm a whiteboard the whole thing. Say less. So, Carolyn, thank I you again. So much All right, y'all have a good night.